Joining me now for Locked On Gators, like he does, uh, he's basically a co-host at this point, John Garcia, Sports Recruiting <laughs> Director of Football Recruiting, Locked On's Recruiting Insider. And before we get into it, I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to. Pass your post your draft for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions apply. And John... We're getting close. Uh, it, we're getting real close to signing day. Uh, there's smoke around every player that's ever played high school football. There's there's static everywhere. And I think the one that has been, I don't even want to say the quietest, because I feel like he is more on social media than most kids, but Samson Lola is kind of the one where we've been like, no clue. Like, like he visited Florida or he was reported to visit Florida. And then we were like, did he visit Florida? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he he tweeted, yes, he did visit Florida. What could we expect from his recruitment as we get closer and closer towards commitment day? Well, this is a kid who, while being elite, has never really narrowed his list. Uh, so I think in terms of what we can expect, it's it's wide open. There is at least an ounce of confidence in a lot of schools' camps at this point, whether you go – Certainly Florida after after that visit. Um, I, I think Miami has held a lot of buzz there. Um, Alabama, Ohio State is getting him on campus, it looks like, next. Uh, they're obviously going to be in the conversation. Oregon and Michigan State got him on campus uh, at different points. So, I mean, there is – Penn State's trying to get in it. It's all over the place for Lola. So narrowing it further and realistically, right? I mean, because, look, you can't be considering 10 schools at this point. It's just – unrealistic uh, but obviously if you're spending time on campus on your dime at different schools you feel good so the most recent visits miami a couple weeks ago florida this week ohio state next week those three schools should be considered legitimate contenders and then just a matter of does another visit get said i think that's really the key for oak and lola who is that kind of last school that's going to have an opportunity to get him on campus because to my understanding this florida visit was unofficial this week the official visit to Ohio State is next week for, for the Michigan game, naturally. Uh, so that's the fourth that he's taken. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity for another school to get a trip out of him. Um, who knows who that school is going to be at this point? He took three in the summer, uh, what, Alabama, Michigan State, and Miami. So those three won't get the official. Could Florida get him back on campus for an official visit? Maybe. Um, I, I was told his family was in town, so I think that's an important part of, of this unofficial visit uh, that he took to Gainesville before that point, Brandon, I'm sure in, in your contacts, you've heard smoke about Oak and Lola, whether it's secret visits or secret momentum almost for Florida, they've been very quiet in how they've operated uh, and not, not as outward with these, these last few offensive tackle targets. Uh, so I do think uh, that it's going to be a fun finish at the position for Florida. And, and when you're swinging for the fences, uh, you know, Oak and Lola is where that conversation begins. Number one offensive tackle in the country for us uh, at Sports Illustrated. He actually just texted me when we got on here because I was asking a little bit more about the visit. And I said, what's next? I was expecting him to say Ohio State official visit, but he told me top five. So there you go. So he will narrow that list uh, as soon as possible. Five schools. You assume Florida, Miami, Ohio State, safe bets to be on there. 
I'd venture to say uh, that uh, Oregon might have a chance to be on there. We hear they're uh, about to close very well. And then if he's going to take a fifth official, um, it's either that school or or Michigan State where he also uh, took a trip uh, in the summer months. So I think those are the main contenders for Okanlola. Um, he has confirmed a December decision, which I think is really big in this conversation, right? Because now we know uh, that official visit is has got to take place soon beyond that Ohio State one, that fifth and final one whether it's to Gainesville, whether it's to Eugene, I think those are probably the two that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the most. Those have to take place before uh, early signing day begins. So I think that's important here to note. Uh, so we're going to get a lot more clarity with Okanola, I guess with the top five, and then with that final visit scheduled here over the next few weeks, it will not carry into February. At least that's the plan uh, right now. So fascinating recruitment to follow. Um, everyone's been guessing at this kid, maybe more than any other recruit in the country. Now that Cormani McLean's off the board, um, Keon Keeley feels a little bit more narrow than this one. So I think he's become the most maybe wide open recruit that's still left among the elites in this class of 2023. But there's no doubt that Florida, fresh off of that unofficial visit, is absolutely in the thick of this thing more than we thought even just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Text him back, tell him that we'll love him forever if he comes to Gainesville. But um, sure. so <laughs> we know he visited Gainesville. We know that he went through that in, in his recruitment. But I feel like what we haven't talked about yet with Samson Okanlova, specifically at least, is the kind of player he is. Um, obviously, Pancake Concho, he lives up to it from, from the very limited tape that I saw. He's just, he kills people, basically. Um, but, but who is he as a player in your evaluation? I think between he and Caden Proctor, uh, these are the two most physically ready offensive tackles to come in right now and contribute at the collegiate level. And I think there's a big difference between the two. I think Proctor is a little bit more filled out and a little bit more built for the run game, built for um, you know what is, is most comfortable for most uh, high school football offensive linemen. I think Lola has the ceiling to be that true blindside protector. I think that's the biggest difference between the two guys, uh, incredibly well filled out. The movement skills relative to his 6'6", 300-pound frame are off the charts. He redirects like a guy who's 50 pounds lighter. Um, he's he's built, he's built. He's bought into his own branding, as you mentioned, not only with, with the pancake honcho stuff, but his play as a senior up at Thayer Academy. Where, look, he's overmatching most of his competition. I think that is – quite obvious uh but he's still dominating again that's what we look for right uh derrick henry all the slack coming out of yuli florida but he was killing everybody right so all of a sudden you don't worry about it as much okalola doing very much the same up uh, at thayer academy in massachusetts uh so i think he's got the opportunity to be a balanced true banner left tackle blindside protector all of those things that we anoint with the top uh you know, offensive lineman in, in at any level of, of football. So for us at SI, number one in the country at that position, uh, and he's done nothing to pull off of that as a senior from from what we can tell, especially because he's he's more he's known as a balanced guy, but we're seeing a lot of physicality as a senior. And I think that's a good sign uh, of, of things to come for Lola. So I just think he has some can't miss in his game uh, to date and the athleticism on top of that is going to help him fill the holes that maybe his competition level or his experiences haven't helped him to do at this point. Today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. It's the easiest place to spice up the college football season. It's easy to play and win cold, hard cash in a single game. 
I didn't make money last weekend because you guys know I do one bet per week with underdog. And um, I took Anthony Richardson, Montreal Johnson, and Spencer Rattler rushing yards because you have to take people from different teams. You can't just do three people from the same team. Otherwise, I do Anthony Richardson, Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne. Um, Spencer Rattler didn't, didn't run the ball. But this week, Anthony Richardson, Montreal Johnson, and Mike Wright will not let me down. I am going to take the higher rushing number for all of them, and I'm going to win. Promise you. I don't promise you, but I, I'm going to win. I'm speaking it into existence. Underdog, fantastic platform. I love their share. I just love the aste- the aesthetically pleasing like share screen they have. It's dope. Sign up with the promo code locked on, and the underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100, and you get another $100 free. Yeah, and um, now on the flip side of the ball, we've got someone who was talked about a lot as a 2024 kid, reclassified, you know, what was it now, almost a month ago at this point. But Desmond Ricks, who Gators fans were like, oh, we're going to get Cormani McLean 2023 and Desmond Ricks 2024. And not not so much (laughs) exactly the case, but... What What is Desmond Rick's recruitment looking like? He's got his commitment date set for Florida. I believe he's uh, December 2nd. He's going to be in Gainesville for his official. He's got the commitment date set for the 23rd, if I'm not mistaken, or around then, a, a bit later than the visit is my point. Um, but what is his recruitment looking like towards as we kind of get to the final stretch here? Yeah, reclassified. So now the difference is he can take officials, right? So he's taken a few unofficials, right? He was out in Baton Rouge. He was up in Gainesville. So, you know, he's still taking in college games like he already was. But now he can shift gears with official visits, something that he obviously hasn't been able to do as a 24 recruit until now that he's in 2023. So Florida's going to get the first shot from an official visit perspective. And I think that's interesting, right? Obviously, uh, something that a kid has not experienced. Uh, that's always a feather in your cap uh, as a program. But then conversely, you have to survive the other two, right? Alabama and then LSU to wrap up. And that LSU trip is going to go down and be completed less than a week before he announces his verbal commitment during the early signing period, which of course opens up the 21st and runs through the 23rd. So I think that's going to be fascinating here down the stretch. Uh, the buzz has shifted, I think. Uh, Florida has held it. LSU has held it. Bama's really the only one that's just kind of been in it uh, and hasn't quite held it yet. But here's the thing. Uh, and, and we talk about this with um, them looking at Jakeem Jackson and and you know, missing on Cormani McLean. They don't have their true corner on board yet, uh, which is fascinating to me, right? Bama needs that. So, you know, Ricks is, is going to feel some of that pressure when he takes that trip the week after Florida. But, you know, I, I do think it's it's more of a Florida-LSU battle at this point. So the Corey Raymond Bowl, if you will. And, and like you said, at one point, the Gators fan base thought, okay, we'll grab McLean in 23, Ricks in 24. Well, now they're both in 23 and you missed on McLean. So, Rick, so, so Ricks becomes kind of that uh, white whale recruit. Uh, I think there's a lot of other prospects that Florida's going to add. I think they're going to have one of the best finishes in the class of 23. But to punctuate it, in between flipping Rashada and signing day itself, I kind of think Desmond Ricks has to be a part of, of this Billy Napier hall to kind of solidify things. But it's going to be a strong hall either way. The DB group, this is a luxury for Florida, right? We talked about it ahead of Cormani McLean's decision. The group is loaded, pres- presuming they keep all the DBs that they have on board. It's a big physical group of corners, Deshaun Johnson, Jakeem Jackson leading that crew. Um, if they keep that group, 
in, in intact and in the fold, it's a great class. Obviously, adding a Desmond Rex just makes it, you know, jump to another stratosphere because he's probably the best defensive recruit or overall recruit that you bring in in this cycle should you land him. So obviously that's part of the plan. And 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 I'm curious from the Florida perspective too, are any eggs still in that Cormani McLean basket, right? Because verbal commitments are one thing, signing day is its own thing. If they're are still spread out to a degree, I think that could be interesting. But if they're all in on Ricks, I think that could be something that it helps the Gators stay at the forefront of, of this kid's recruitment. So it's it's down to three all SEC, big time schools, big time production at that position. And the official visits, like most of these, are, are going to be to me what, what separates one from the other two. Yeah, um, you you mentioned there if Florida is still pushing for Cormani McLean. I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend I do, but um, I will say that it's going to be interesting to see the 180 that Gators fans will do. Like let's just hypothetically, I don't think it's going to happen, but hypothetically, Cormani flips to Florida. The 180 Gators fans will do after all the trash talk they did when he committed to Miami, the whole, he wore a Gator hater shirt. Now I hate him. He's not that good. I, I, I've, I've said it before on the show. I've said it off air. I'm rooting for chaos. I don't think there would be anything more chaotic than that. Um, which honestly is, is the main reason that I am rooting for Like I want it to happen. Obviously he's a great player. I just want to see what would happen to social media. Hopefully Twitter is still alive by that point, but I just want to see what happens to social media. If Cormani is like, you know what? I'm a Gator. Yeah, that that's look, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I think, first of all, Cormani is never going to be the one to put an end to those things. Right. We we've seen, um, I mean, talk around him has been rampant for years at this point. Um, and we see this back and forth again. That's 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 become one of my favorite stories of this cycle between Florida and Miami. And a lot of the Miami commits have doubled down and done the whole like I'm done kind of thing. Malik Bryant, Francis Maligoa, those guys. Cormani McLean has not done that, um, and I wouldn't expect him to do that. So he is not going to jump in that part of the conversation. Just just not who he is. But he's not going to help one way or the other in that regard ahead of December 21st. So yes, that when that digital fax comes in or whatever it is um, to whatever school, I think it's, it's still going to be headline worthy uh, because yeah, he's not going to really say much between this is my commitment and, and now I'm, um, it's signing day and I'm going to sign. And that's kind of it. That's just who Cormani McLean is. So yeah, uh, the whole fan base bashing teenage kids thing is, is always funny to look down upon and, and kind of tragic to look at, right? Because these are teenagers trying to do what's what's best for them as far as they know. Um, just think about when you were 17. I mean, my gosh, I couldn't imagine being in that type of position, um, much less uh, adults coming down on you. But, you know, that's that's a part of, of fandom and sports, I guess. Um, but, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot of crow either way, right? We just saw it with Jaden Rashada and this, this Gators fan base that I'm sure was bashing him plenty when Florida had the momentum and then he committed to Miami in the summer before making this flip uh, this fall. I'm sure it was it was the same type of crow uh, that that we'll see if, if McLean makes that decision. But either way, cornerback recruiting with these two is going to be fascinating down the stretch for Florida. You, you've got a great group either way, which I think is something that needs to be reemphasized. But if you can hit on one of these two, obviously it just it just jumps to another notch, both optically, perceptually, whatever that is, as well as just on the field, right? This is a, a position that Florida needs to hit on 
because some of these guys are going to have to play very, very soon and, and as early as, as next year, I would say. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm just, I'm just rooting for chaos here. That's all I want because, like you mentioned, the thing that I, I will never bash a kid for their decision, whether I think it's right or wrong, I don't know what went into it. Like, I don't know why they made the decision. I don't know if it was academics, playing time, NIL, conference, setting up for future connections, whatever it is. And frankly, I don't care. Um, you know, I, I had to make the decision when I was 17 or 18 where to go to college. And it was literally just where to go to college. <laughs> like, they're, they're deciding so much more than I – like, no one was throwing NIL at me. So, uh, hey, do whatever it is that you want to do. The last guys we have to talk about for this episode, Quay Rousseau, James Smith. We've talked about them also ad nauseum. Um, what is the latest on their recruitment? It's interesting. They haven't taken a bunch of officials, and so they obviously have the allotted trips to take if they want to take them. But unlike Lola, who's like, all right, I'm taking Ohio State, and then there's one more, I'll figure that out, and then I'll commit. There's not that part of the plan already public with the Rousseau and James Smith camp. Now, conversely, unlike Lola, they've been taking a bunch of SEC trips anyway, right? So they've been to Florida twice this year. They've been to Bama twice for games. They've been to Georgia. They've been to Auburn like four times. Um, so they're, they're very active on the road just about every weekend, but not for official visits. They only took two, Auburn and Georgia. And, of course, with Auburn changing head coaches, they could take another one to Auburn. So that's really where the mystery lies between the Smith and Rousseau camps is because they hadn't taken more officials. Of course, they took the Florida one. But beyond that, um, there's up to three remaining for those two, we assume Alabama's going to get one. And then after that, we don't know, right? We, maybe Auburn gets another one when they have the new head coach, but they've also you know, been to campus a billion times, closest to home, all of that. So it's really fascinating between these two uh, because they're both, like Oak and Lola, confirmed to be wrapping this thing up next month. So if official visits are to be set, they got to be set pretty soon. Uh, so that that's kind of the next order of business to follow with these two. And what we also know is that the official visits will not coincide with game weekends, right? It looks like they will be in Auburn this weekend for the Western Kentucky game. And then the iron bowls the following weekend, of course, that they're probably going to attend that one uh, over in Tuscaloosa as well. And that will wrap up the regular season. So there won't be official visits as far as we can tell associated with these two during game time or game weekend. So it means that, if and when they do take official visits, Brandon, it's going to be intimate one-on-one time with with coaches closer towards uh, National Signing Day. So that'll be fascinating between the duo, just like the whole package deal status, which is still the plan um, publicly. That's something that is still talked about every time they are. One of them is brought up. The other one is immediately brought up um, in terms of package deal status. That appears to still be the case. But again, once we get to signing day, that's its own thing. Um, we've seen package deals dissolve kind of this time of year. So if that's going to happen with this duo, we should start hearing about it soon. And maybe the official visits could be that contention point. You, you just never know. But either way, Florida's done a good job here, certainly in the conversation for each of them. Uh, I think, again, more momentum with Rousseau than Smith, which is something we talked about in July. And, and after the official visit alike, I think if they do split up, it increases Florida's chances to land at least one of them, in particular uh, Rousseau. But look, it's it's wide open. Um, I, I don't even think it's a slam dunk for Alabama like it once was. I, I, I would still 
be the least surprised if that's where each of them ended up. But at one point, it felt like it was just Bama and Georgia and everyone else was playing for third place. Georgia's kind of been the fluctuating school. They've been in and out. Uh, most people assumed Auburn would be the fluctuating school, but the local ties um, and the belief that Auburn is going to go grab a big name uh, is, is something that they're keeping an eye on. So I think that's that's the wild card now. It used to be Georgia or Florida. I think Auburn in that higher could be the wild card in that race. So another fascinating one where, again, we got to see the full official visit picture before we know who's truly you know, among the contenders here down the home stretch. But Florida will have a hat on that table. We'll have a puncher's chance for both increased chances for Broussard should he split away from James Smith. And, I mean, this isn't necessarily about Quay Broussard or James Smith, but we'll, we'll use them as the example. Um, the package deal recruiting, just, just to talk about that for a second. What even happens if, let's say... Again, this is just completely hypothetical. Let's say Florida is not interested in James Smith, but Quay Rousseau is like obviously the one that's leaning towards Florida. What even happens in terms of actually recruiting them where it's like, oh, hey, we're a package deal? Like, is Florida just like, fine, we'll give the official visit to James Smith as well and we'll set all this up? Like, like what even happens? Just again, hypothetical, not necessarily about them. I'm just using them as the example, but what right. even happens in that instance? Yeah, luckily for them, they're both uh, truly uh, elite players. Uh, but yeah, you know this happens, right? I mean, whether it's um, uh, two brothers or twins, we see twins go through the recruiting process. And for some reason, even though DNA suggests otherwise, one is better than the other. It's just something that happens uh, in, in college football recruiting. And, and we see schools having to navigate that. Some schools don't play that game at all. They're like, I, I don't want to deal with this. I, I want one kid, not both. Um, and other schools will will take that uh, consolation, I, I guess, however you want to to label it, uh, of that second prospect uh, at the same stage. So I can't speak to Florida specifically in terms of how they're going to handle that. But theoretically, yeah, these schools have to make business decisions on their own end. And oftentimes, again, assuming the package deal is real and, it, you know, with tw twin brothers, it's a little bit more tangible than, than just best friends. Although, again, these two, I believe, will stick together. Um, obviously, you have to make that decision on the front end of, of recruiting them. I think the most recent uh, example was the Henderson twins uh, from uh, Orlando, from Sanford, uh, Sanford High School last cycle. They signed with, with UCF. One was a corner, one was a safety, one was better than the other, in my opinion. Um, schools had to navigate all of that, and, and UCF was able to keep them home. But I know that's something that comes across the desk because, look, everybody will tell you in college football right now, Brandon, the most talked about issue besides NIL, I guess, is roster management. How you get to 85 and every single spot because of that is truly, truly valued. The portal is crazy and fluid. High school and college football or college uh, JUCO recruiting is crazy and fluid. So these numbers are so very critical. And if there's fluctuation with one of them, it could really open things up or shut the door on the other side. So these schools have to have a plan in that regard to me on the very front end of, of recruiting true package deals like I believe Smith and Rousseau to be. Yeah, I'm, I I will say, yeah, I hope they're both in Gainesville. That's, that's, that's where I'm, I'm just like, hey, everybody come to Gainesville, or if you're not going to come to Gainesville, even if you do though, go to different places. I just want to see it. I'm an agent of chaos. That's what we're, we all know I'm rooting for. If you want to not come to Gainesville or if you, or if one of them do do it, just pick different hats on signing day. 
but yeah, yeah, no, this, this is just fun. Um, that's what I want. Thank you so much, John. This is John Garcia, Sports Illustrated's director of football recruiting, Lockdown's recruiting insider. Catch him all throughout the Lockdown College channel and here three times this weekend. So, so he's here. Thank you so much, John. Thank you.